Making money is in a business to me is it's motivating at the beginning to be able to put food on the table. Like I'll just call it for what it is. When I started, it was just straight like survival. But once you get past that certain comfort stage, there really has to be something deeper that's going to drive you. And for me, when I'm done my even like done my career and in looking back, um, get to the end of my life, I want to be proud about what it is that we built. This is Culture at a Crossroads with David Mann. With me is Mark Ferris, broker and CEO of the Ferris team. Mark, what's the nicest home you've ever sold? Nicest home we've ever sold. So I'd say uh, Waterfront is up there. Uh, There's this Waterfront home. It actually took a while because the market really shifted. But I'd say that that there is a it was actually over on Shoreview. Really nice, really nice property. Myself personally, we, we have uh, a sales partner uh, that recently on our team sold uh, an island, which was uh, with a beautiful home, just just gorgeous Georgian Bay area there. And it was just, yeah, phenomenal. So not many people sell an island and we were able to do that. And definitely happy buyers were able to bring the buyers in on that. And uh, uh, definitely a great story to be able to tell. <laughs> no kidding. This is like an island with like as luxurious as you can think of, like as far as the specs of the way it's laid out. Yeah, it's got kind of it's got all the bells and bells and whistles at a home that you would think in kind of that in that range, in that ten million dollar range would would have, and just gorgeous. And you know, you see the sunsets there, but it's like this the privacy that you'd have, and you know, it's got the it's got the pool, and you know the. The buyers are just like phenomenally happy, and the the sellers as well. And and uh, it was actually Sabrina Staunton on her on her team. She did a great job, kind of all all buyers, buyers and sellers, and everybody in the in the deal quite happy on that. So it was a pretty pretty cool story. Mm. What a team you guys have! The success that the Ferris team has accomplished so far is remarkable. Did you ever think that you'd be in real estate when you were growing up? Was this on your radar? Well, you know, when I was 17, I picked up this book called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And when you start speaking with different real estate investors, that's typically the first book that they start with. And uh, it was funny because I started reading that. And then, I, and then you know, there's the late night infomercials. And you ended up going to the, what they do is they invite you to a free course. And then you go to a free course for an hour or two. And then they invite you to the $1,000 course. And then, uh, and then from there, they sell you on the, the 10000 or $20,000 course, right? And so it's interesting. What, what happened was, this is when I was around 17, calling my sister and said, I said, there's this seminar over in London. Uh, do you want to go? And she said, yeah. And uh, I was in college at the time. And uh, we went and then we got pitched on the $1,000 course. And we went and we learned a lot. And then there was a another course uh, on kind of past that, and we, we ended up going doing that next course. And what, what ended up happening was we ended up finding a, um, a student house, housing. Uh, it was a semi-detached, and it actually had eight bedrooms in it. We ended up renting uh, all the rooms. Uh, we ended up buying it through that course. Actually, my mom ended up coming in as well, and and so the three of us purchased our first property, and that kind of what is what got us in the door in real estate investing. And then I continued playing hockey and I came to a point where I was, I was married, recently married with my wife, Joanna, signed a contract down in 
the uh, Central Hockey League because I had played over in Sweden for a couple of years, signed a uh, contract down there and I was put on waivers. And just, that's just another, that's like a nice way of saying that I was, I was cut from the team. I, I was cut from the team. I was called for what it was. So I moved back and join and was trying to find uh, somewhere else to, to play. And Joanna said to me one day, she said, you know, you don't have to keep playing hockey if you don't want it. And uh, I thought, you know what, I don't want to play hockey anymore. You know, when you have these like blinders on and that's all you've been doing your whole life. Well, she said that it was just like, you know, this, this light bulb went off, said, I don't, yeah, I don't want to do, do hockey anymore. I want to get into real estate. I was always looking at the real estate section, you know, the real estate ads and, you know, houses and, and whatnot. And, and so I thought, you know, because real estate investing was always there. I thought, you know, what better le- way to learn about real estate investing than become an agent, right? And my sister was in real estate for a couple of years over in the Fergus area near Guelph. And uh, we were in the Barrie area at the time and we said, you know what, we're going to get into it. And my wife, Joanna, had a marketing background. So that's when we jumped in and I only got good at it because I just, the reality was, is that I had to be successful because, you know, we had max out our credit cards. It was a, t- we maxed, it was like $10,000. I remember we were in credit card debt. And I remember the first six months was like, it was brutal. Joanna came home one day. She said, Mark, I, I couldn't afford milk. And I was like, you be- you better believe I was motivated. We pushed through that, that, that period, but it was only success only ended up coming because I got out and started talking to thousands of people. Like I'm more of an inward, not a, you know, I don't, I'm not like this natural outward person that just loves talking. But I, you know, I went, what I would do is I would cold call down the street. I would have a, there was a a listing in the office. I didn't have any listings at the time. And I would call down the street of that listing in our office and say, you know, we have a listing in, uh, on, on your street there. And I'm actually looking for buyers for that property. Do you know of anybody that's looking to move into the area, any friends or family It'd be nice to be able to pick your own neighbors, right? And then they get a little chuckle out of that. And then I'd ask them if they sell. And I would get some leads. And then I would actually go and door knock with some chocolates and a calendar. And that was just enough to get us through. But um, naturally, the, the sales part came just by talking it, it with, with really thousands of people. The chocolate and the calendar, I mean, this has morphed into uh, so much thoughtfulness that you guys put into your business. You have impeccable marketing. You have the sign that you'll put on people's properties, the Ferris cares touch, like that sort of originality. It was right from the beginning. So Joanna has such a, a commitment to excellence that, you know, if it just does not, especially if something is not right, she'll, she'll say it. And then she won't give up until it's actually the way that it should be. And so I, you know, I, I give her a lot of credit to our success and uh, just such a keen eye for detail. And, it, you know, it started like with, uh, say, the feature books, for example. Well, that's quite the thing to be able to, when you think of it, to do a proper job with a feature book of a home. So when buyers come in, they get to leave with something. Well, when I started, all the agents had, a, they had like kind of black and white spec sheets. It was actually a big thing if you had color. This is back in 2007. Well, we ended up doing, um, we had high gloss paper and then we actually put a coil uh, on, the, on it and made a little bit of a book. And then we ended up, and that was like cutting edge at the time. 
And then we ended up putting a, a CD in the back of it, you know, and with a slideshow of the picture, you know, the slideshow of pictures and like that was cutting edge. But that feature, that kind of book that we ended up making, it takes time to do that as well to, you know, edit the photos and then you know, save them properly and then do the proper write-ups and make sure there's no spelling errors and do it in a professional way. And then as we started evolving and, and it, it became higher quality, we realized that it was actually taking longer. So at one point it was taking like, you know, a week or a week and a half if we wanted to do hardcover books. And, and so the books would come after the home actually sold. And that was a major problem that we needed to work out. And so over the years, we, we ended up getting better and better. And so we're at a point now where we brought uh, our photo, professional photo and video in-house in order to uh, ensure that we can expedite not only the fo- getting on the market quickly and preserve the quality and the quality control, because we had outsourced it for a bit and that was a problem uh, for quality control and time as well. So the, but the photos, if they're taking on a Tuesday in photo and video, we can actually now, we've got our processes so tight that like we actually have overnight editors and we'll actually deliver the feature books the next day in the evening. And then we can go live like 48 hours after. So Tuesday photos taken, Wednesday evening, feature books delivered, Thursday morning, uh, it goes on the market. And so you have your feature books the night before so that there's more peace of mind knowing that in the morning when you know when you wake up so that when that first showing comes there's something that's professional that represents your home that wasn't an overnight thing that was a commitment to making it one professional we couldn't cut corners but getting the time down and a lot of people would say it's not possible getting it but you know we had to hire overnight editors in order to make this happen and and it was like a slow reader of process uh, and it was like making things better a little bit at a time. So, you, you know, you, you got to kind of figure out what is the best thing. And then and then from there, if that's the standard, work backwards. And it certainly paid off for you guys, the success that you've reaped. You broke all sorts of records uh, while you were uh, with another r- real estate agent before you became uh, your own brokerage. And uh, I know you you get good feedback and as far as the metrics and where you are as, as, the, as the top brokerage in the country, but what sort of individual feedback would you get from people? What would they say makes Ferris team so special? Yeah, that's good. And, and actually we went through this process, you know, when you hear like every company should have brand promises, that's a really great process to try and figure out in a company for yourself is like, what do people expect when they come to you and what are the most important things and what are people saying that like really makes you stand out? And so we went on this whole kind of journey of figuring out what our brand promises are in our in our company. And, and a great way for you to figure that out if you're running a company is is to go to your like Google reviews and actually take the words that are being used from clients and actually like see where there's like a common theme uh, with with what they're actually saying. And so we we did that. And, you know, we asked a lot of questions from from our, our clients and the things that kept coming up were uh, professional and loving. Like a big one is professionalism. I went, when, for example, whenever I went on an appointment, I, I would always wear a suit, a jacket, not a tie, but a jacket at least. And, and then, you know, for me, I, I, I figured out early in my career that a lot of things like between four and six is a really good time to, to not book appointments 
and to go home for like, I always went home for dinner as the rule. There was exceptions, of course. And then, and then after that, I would go back out after. And so for me, I would go home, I would, you know, get in my comfy clothes for an hour or whatever. And then uh, when I went back out, I always made sure I got back on. I always, I always got my suit back on. The reason being is because, you know, professionalism is something in the real estate industry is not like widely adopted. There are still a lot of professionals out there, but that is something that we really want to stake uh, kind of our, our, our stake in the ground of, of, you know, what we, what we represent. So professionalism was a big one. Another one is like loving, like the love of people, uh, you know, and that's something that is from a company standpoint is, is like very rare to hear that word love. And so loving is something that we're very like, we're intentional about and we really, you know, focus. So professional loving are two big ones. And then the third one is best experience. And we tie that together with a, a, a guarantee. So, you know, I think it's important that you, you either say, you know what, you're going to be a discount uh, kind of a, a agent where you can, you're going to do it for less. And there's a place for that, for sure. We've just decided to go the opposite end of the spectrum and focus on the experience. And so the best experience, that's what we're after. And so it ties together really well with our, our mission statement of to go full out for our clients and provide the best real estate experience in the world. Best experience. So best experience in the world or best experience is, is something that, you know, when you first hear in the world, it's almost sounds like, okay, come on, like best in the world. Come on, let's get real here. But like if, if you look at it just from like a, a like a, a reality standpoint, best in the world is say over there. You know, it's like, you know, you're not there right yet, but it's over there. What is the best way to get to over there? And the best way to get to over there is to collect feedback from your team members and clients. So you, you have conversations. And then from there, you meet as, a, uh, as managers on a weekly basis. And you, you extract the key nuggets from what they're saying. And you take action on a weekly base, basis in order to get better. And so best experience in the world is this idea of, of like consistent improvement. Mark, if anyone's been listening even for a few minutes of this conversation so far, they've heard this incredible drive that you have to move forward. And I know that the, the motto of your, of your business is going full out for you, which is a term that really derives from your hockey days. But is there anything else that you really attribute to having this drive to be the best in the world too? Well, there's, there's a, there's a couple, um, for me, it's like when I get to the end of my, my life, I want to, I want to be able to, you know, and it's ta- I'm talking to the Lord, right. And, I'm, and it's like, you know, you, you, you're up there and you're talking, it's like, you're giving, you're going to give an account of what, what it was, what your life was. Right. And, you know, of course, definitely, you know, you want to be a shining light and, you know, have him shine through and, and, you know, being able to touch other people. But I think one of the best ways to do that is to Build something that is going to make impact in people's lives, something that you can be proud of. I mean, there's a there's a quote that I have here. As, as, uh, this one is from Jim Collins. He's, he said, it's a noble cause to build a great company, companies that are worthy of serving people with excellence. That is so powerful. And for me, I, I don't I want to like making money is is in a business to me is is it's motivating at the beginning to be able to put food on the table like i'll just call it for what it is when i started it was just straight like survival to put food on the table 
But once you get past that certain comfort stage, there really has to be something deeper that's going to drive you. And for me, when I'm done my, even like done my career and in looking back, um, get to the end of my life, I want to be proud about what it is that we built. And at the same time, I want to make sure that we don't get complacent like a lot of companies do. It's too easy to get complacent and then you, your standards start to fall. I mean, we see this all the time in customer service. You call in and you're, you're just waiting. You know, first, they're just not treating you well like a true customer. They, it's like you're a number and it's like it's an awful experience. And when I go through that, like that to me really bothers me. And I was really blessed to be able to see, you know, there was a to see a couple of, you know, agents that were really successful in, in my market. And they're great, great people. But there was an element of like there was the complacency from what I saw set in. And I don't know if that's a true. That's what I think it was. But and they're stopped kind of improving and doing those little extra things that, that, that got them there. And, you know, the reality is, is for us, those are the things that will kill us in our business and will immediately start to fall. And then that's in direct violation of what I'm going after at the end of my life. Remember what I was saying? Like, I want to look back and be proud. I don't want to look back and at the end it started falling, you know, falling apart. I want it to be the most healthy it is uh, at the end, which is an ongoing improvement thing. Yeah, you want to finish well. And you've alluded to having this eternal perspective. Mark, do you think we could just drill into this a little bit more as to what your personal faith looks like? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we... Uh, Myself, we, we grew up on a farm just, just actually outside of Cookstown there. And I was brought up knowing Jesus Christ. Actually, we were in a, in a small church. That's where my parents met. So I was really, I was really blessed growing up. I, my dad, you know, he grew up in a church that was a little bit more like under the law in the, sense of, in the sense of you have to do this and you have to do that. And then we got into this church where it was like, you know, there was, it was really like grace and kind of freedom from the law. And you're, your the relationship with the Lord is a beautiful thing. It's not uh, he like God's not up there with a hammer gonna gonna hit you over the head with with it if you mess up. And so it really it opened up the door where there was like a freedom there. And you know you you act the way you do because you you want to you're so thankful for what's been done to you, not because you had a fear. And and so that to me was like is a it, it really kind of it was a beautiful vision what I saw of what my relationship I wanted to be with with Jesus Christ and you know right now like I just to me I think actually talking about the complacency and the pride thing like that is the is actually one of the best things for me to just know that you know whatever success you do have is you're still a little speck, you know, like the Lord created everything and whatever success you have is, it's a pittance. It's like, there's nothing. So it's, when you know he's up there, it's like, you know, there's no excuse to think that, that, you know, they were to be prideful or to think that, you know, you're better than anyone else. When you know that there's somebody upstairs kind of looking down that, that, you know, is bigger than all of this put together, it it really kind of holds, holds you uh, accountable at a different level. Hmm. Yeah, well, it really puts you in your place. Uh, Mark, on that, I- I'm curious, uh, I think uh, Christians that would be listening to this uh, who have spent any time driving around Barrie, Simcoe County, a little bit beyond would see your picture and 
it can be a struggle as a Christian to market yourself in such an overt way. But at the same time, you have this incredible product that God has given you. How do you sort of navigate that dichotomy? Well, I, I think first, like it's that whole, like, how do you see things? Um, like your, your mindset on success. I mean, first, I, I do think that you need to really believe that you're going to do a good job for clients and serving clients is a, is a form of serving. It's like, to me, if you want to honor the Lord, it's like you, to me, a, a way of doing that is to serve people and to do it in a, in a, it coming from a, like, I'm going to do a phenomenal job. And to me, like, the more people we can help, to me, this is like a form of, 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 of serving and, and serving the Lord. It's like, so Thomas, he's like, he's, uh, I work with three of my brothers. Thomas is one of them. He's like, sells like a hundred plus homes a year. He's really good. Before he goes in to a, to an appointment, he says, Lord, show me how to love these people before he goes in. Like, he's not going in there to try and just get a deal. He's going in there to love on them, serve on them, and to, and you like knowing that we're going to do a great job for them. And so, like, that to me is it's simple and easy when you know that you have something that is really good for them. I think where we get caught up is when we start to try and, you know, advertise, we're not sold that it's the best thing for them. And it's like we're trying, we need to sell them on something instead of, you know, you just being there and you knowing that you're the best thing for them. Right. And so it's a, you want to make sure you're not crossing it into like over, you know, pridefulness or anything, but you need to be sold that, that you are great first before, before you try and like go in and talk with anyone. There's this one saying is, uh, you don't need to sell people first. You need to be sold that you're the best person for them. Uh, before you try and sell them. And by you knowing and being sold on yourself, they'll actually see that that's a really good option. I think a lot of people, they have this kind of perspective that, you know what, I don't want to sell them. I'm not really convinced this is the best thing for them. And they get caught up with, you know, I I don't want to, you know, do something to them that is going to be crossing the line or is like too pushy or too selling. It's like, first you need to have something really great product or service that you really believe is a form of servanthood and do it so well that you're you're serving like you're you're coming from a serving place. Well, we're going to have to leave it at that. Such a rich conversation with Mark. By the way, Mark told me that he's planning to get into the podcast game pretty soon. So be sure to keep tabs on when that goes live. For more information on the Ferris team, you can find them on social and by heading to ferristeam.ca. Do check out the Culture at a Crossroads archive. You can do that at davidmanmedia.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And we do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada, helping to better equip you in following Jesus. Jesus.